Chapter Three of the Dawn of Medieval Europe, four seventy six to nine eighteen by J. H. Masterman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. The Rise of Theodoric. The Ostrogoths, who had remained in the district north of the Black Sea while their Visigothic brethren moved southwards, fell in the fifth century under the yoke of the Huns whom they served for eighty years till the death of the great hunnish chief attila in four fifty four then they rose in rebellion in alliance with the jeopardy and other subject nations and broke the power of the huns in a great battle on the banks of the river netad probably in hungary the situation is not known moving southwards they occupied the province of pannonia apparently by friendly arrangement with the roman authorities the ostrogoths were at this time ruled by three brothers descendants of the old amal family valamir theudemir and vidimir in four fifty four on the very day on which valamir repulsed a sudden attack of the huns and gained a great victory a son was born to his brother theudemir and named theodoric the ruler of the people a name changed by the roman chroniclers to theodoric when theodoric was seven years old a war broke out between the goths and the empire owing to an attempt of the emperor to withhold the usual subsidies after the goths had ravaged mesia the emperor agreed to renew the tribute on condition that the goths confined their ravages to the lands north of the danube theudemir was obliged to surrender his little son as a hostage for the fulfilment of the treaty and so it came to pass that theodoric spent ten years at the court of constantinople where the emperor leo became warmly attached to him it is impossible to exaggerate the influence on theodoric's life of this long residence at the imperial court to realize it we must imagine the son of an indian frontier chief living from the age of seven to seventeen at the british court watching the administration of justice the organization of war and commerce the whole system of british life at the time of theodoric's stay there constantinople was at the height of its splendor the most magnificent city of the world there theodoric could see men of every nation of the earth bound together by subjection to the majestic roman law laying aside their turbulent independence in the realization of a common citizenship it was at constantinople that theodoric learnt those lessons of the value of orderly rule and legal right that he afterwards strove so hard to teach to his italian subjects when at the end of ten years theodoric came home he found the goths at war with the neighbouring nation of the suevi on whom they inflicted a crushing defeat about the year four seventy theodoric celebrated his return by leading an expedition against the sarmatians from whose king Vabai he wrested the city of singadunum belgrade which lies at the junction of the sav and the danube a tribe like the goths who subsisted largely on plunder and whose pannonian camping-ground was probably exhausted of supplies could not remain for long at peace from the diminution of the spoils of the neighbouring nations says jordanus the historian of the goths 
the goths began to lack food and clothing and to those men to whom war had long furnished all their sustenance peace began to be odious and all the goths with loud shouts approached their king theudemir praying him to lead his army whither he would but to lead it forth to war the gothic host divided into two armies one of which followed Vidimir westwards to attack rome while the other marched south under theudemir and theodoric to ravage macedonia of Vidimir's expedition little need be said he died in italy without achieving any important success and his son led his host into gaul where it was absorbed in the visigothic kingdom of southern gaul meanwhile theudemir plundered macedonia and laid siege to thessalonica peace was then made with constantinople the goths being allowed to settle in six towns of macedonia and the country around them such an arrangement could not last long crowded into a little corner of macedonia the goths would be certain to resume before long their habits of wandering and plunder about 474 theudemir died and his son succeeded as king of the ostrogoths soon after theodoric's friend the emperor leo died at constantinople and was succeeded by his little grandchild leo whose death a few months later left zeno the isaurian as sole emperor the history of the next fourteen years of the life of theodoric is complicated by the presence on the scene of another theodoric a gothic chief related by marriage with the barbarian aspar who had for years played the part of kingmaker at constantinople till his murder by leo in four seventy one this theodoric son of triarius first becomes important about four seventy three when he wrested a treaty from leo by which he was to enjoy the title of magister equitum et peditum and receive a yearly subsidy of two thousand pounds of gold in return for the services of himself and his warriors soon after the accession of zeno a pretender basilicus rose in revolt supported by theodoric son of triarius but after nearly two years of exile zeno returned to constantinople and ousted his rival who was sent away to die of hunger in a fortress of cappadocia theodoric the amal who had supported the cause of zeno now became patrician and master of the soldiery titles of great honour in the empire war followed between the two theodorics but when their armies came face to face they fraternized instead of fighting and the two chiefs made common cause against the emperor after various negotiations too tedious to relate zeno succeeded in detaching theodoric son of triarius from his alliance with the amal chief and theodoric the amal led his followers to another raid into macedonia which they had abandoned some years before for the lands at the mouth of the danube from macedonia the gothic host passed over the mountains into epirus then back again into the balkan district it would be too long and too unprofitable a task to follow theodoric through the wanderings and wars of the years that followed in 481 his namesake and rival died and soon after the remnant of his followers joined the rest of the goths under the standard of the amal chief for some years after this the goths wandered aimlessly about the frontiers of the empire 
sometimes at peace with the emperor, sometimes ravaging his territories. The supreme problem was how to find food for the nation in lands gradually growing depopulated by war and famine. The host moved to and fro with its women and children in the wagons that followed the army. It was a gigantic gypsy caravan, this Gothic nation on the march, hungry, fierce, and merciless. During all this time Odoacer was ruling in Italy. His relations with the emperor were at first friendly, but the conquest of Dalmatia, which brought the frontiers of the Italian kingdom further eastwards, and still more, help given by Odoacer to an imperial general, Illus, who rose in unsuccessful insurrection against Zeno, led to the outbreak of hostilities between the Italian king and the empire. Zeno's first step was to encourage the king of the Rugians, a powerful tribe on the Danube, to attack Odoacer. The attack failed, and the defeated Rugian king Frederick fled to the camp of Theodoric. Zeno then turned to Theodoric, who was in no wise unwilling to lead his people into the fertile lands of Italy. So in the autumn of 498 the Goths set out on this new adventure. They fought their way along the highlands of Pannonia and Noricum, and closed this part of the expedition with a great battle against the Jeopardy, a battle that broke the power of that nation and replenished the wagons of the Goths with great stores of provisions. They descended without resistance into the plains of Italy to find Odoacer and his army drawn up to meet them near Aquilia. They scattered his army in flight and took possession of the whole of northeastern Italy as far as the Adige, Odoacer falling back on Verona, where he gathered what was left of his army into an entrenched camp. After a terrific contest, the Gothic warriors led by Theodoric in person broke the forces of Odoacer and drove him back to Ravenna, where among the marshes the defeated king made his last stand. The siege of Ravenna went on for more than three years, and in the meanwhile Theodoric had to fight more than one enemy to retain his hold over northern Italy. The first of these enemies was Tufa, who had been one of Odoacer's chief lieutenants and who accepted or appeared to accept the leadership of Theodoric. So confident was Theodoric in his fidelity that he entrusted to his command the army he sent to attack Ravenna. Like Marshal Ney, Tufa's new loyalty could not stand the strain of immediate contact with his old leader, and with most of his troops he went over to the side of Odoacer. The officers who refused to desert Theodoric were surrendered to Odoacer, who ruthlessly murdered them all. Perhaps encouraged by Tufa's treachery, Frederick the Rugian king, who had followed the standards of Theodoric into Italy, broke with his leader and began to ravage Italy on his own account. For a time things looked black for Theodoric, but the allies soon quarrelled, and Tufa was slain in a battle near Verona. Frederick threw himself into Pavia, which he held for two years. His fate we do not know. Then from across the Alps a fresh antagonist appeared to challenge the right of the Ostrogoths to their new kingdom. Gundobad, king of the Burgundians, marched into Italy, nominally as the ally of Odoacer. Near Milan, Theodoric, with the help of the Visigothic king Alaric II, met and vanquished the coalition, 
and drove Odoacar back to Ravenna. The siege of Ravenna now went on without interruption, and as Theodoric was able to control the harbour by means of his fleet, the city was soon in dire straits. At last Odoacer was obliged to own himself beaten, and a treaty was made between the two rival kings by which they were to rule Italy together. Probably neither party intended to hold to so impossible an arrangement, and the chroniclers who desire to justify Theodoric tell us that Odoacer was plotting against the life of his successful rival. Theodoric may have believed that this was so, but nothing can excuse the act that followed, and which remains the greatest blot on the character of the great Ostrogoth. Inviting his fallen rival to a banquet on the 15th of March, 493, he entrusted to some soldiers, hidden in an alcove, the task of murdering him. When their courage failed at the critical moment, Theodoric himself struck down the king with one tremendous stroke, shouting as he smote, this is what you did to my friends. Thus, by one foul deed, Theodoric rid himself of his last rival, and stood the unchallenged master of the Italy that he had won. After the long strife of contending chiefs, the possibility of a new empire in the West seemed to have returned. End of chapter 3